welcome back to the Limehouse podcast. This is Will, once again, infiltrating your mind, body and soul. Um, although the soul and the body and the mind, that's all debatable. I don't mind. Whatever you want, wherever you want me, you just put me, okay? Um, I am seriously fatigued today. Oh, this is a new one. Pearl has taken to waking up between anywhere between 11 p.m. and sort of 4 p.m. and 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 that's fine. Well, it's not really fine. It's it's horrific. But then I can't. Once she goes bad to sleep, I can't. So we're in a situation here where she's waking up, getting the comfort, getting this the singing, and that's what I have to do. I have to stand over her cot and do seven or eight verses of the wheels on the bus. Um, and, and then she'll go down. Although it's annoying because what she does is she doesn't let you finish a verse of the wheels on the bus. What she'll do is um, she'll interrupt you. You'll be going, the wheels on the bus go round and round, round and round. And then she'll go, no, 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 pepper. What, what do you mean, pepper? Oh, okay. The pepper on the bus goes, no, 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 no. Yellow Arlo. Because Arlo, our dog, is yellow. So then you have, okay, restart. The... Arlo on the bus goes, no, the, the <laughs> baby Rosie. Okay, baby Rosie, ba- basically baby Rosie is Rosie and the other dog, as you well know. And that's why I'm currently sounding like a complete mad person. I am broken, ladies and gentlemen. Three hours of sleep, f- four nights in a row. It's bad. Greg's on the show. Greg Holden is on the show and I'm so excited to bring you this, that Greg is a, an old friend of mine slash acquaintance. I wouldn't say we're like we're close or anything, but um, we're friends via a mutual friend, Tristan, who I think I'm having on the podcast relatively soon to talk about his ups and downs in his life. Um, but he uh, his, he brought Greg and I together a number of years ago, uh, and, and he's amazing. So when we do rest, reference Tristan in this, that's who we're talking about, okay? Um but yeah, yeah, he, it, Greg is, is an amazing songwriter. So he started out quite a while ago now and he he re- raised money for his first album, so crowdfunded it, and it's called I Don't Believe You. So I got into that album through through Tristan and, and la la la, and then I got into his music. And since then, like, Greg's had a, a real roller coaster of a ride. Um, I think you'll probably, you'll rem- if you do know him, it's through a song called The Lost Boy, which is super, super freaking crazy story behind that. Shot him to some pretty insane, um, it's kind of stardom in a way, but like in a songwriting sense, in a songwriter sense. So he didn't necessarily become the superstar, but the guy who um, won American Idol with it did. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. So yeah, so Greg's had one hell of a roller coaster of a life, and this is we really go deep on this one. Let me tell you, I bear quite a lot of my soul, and he certainly bears a lot of his soul. And it's a really, it's it's um, it's really worth a go. That's what I'm going to tell you right now, guys. And it's quite interesting because it's a little bit um behind the scenes, as it were, to be what it is to be a songwriter writing for established artists and how that process um take how that process I don't know uh, unfolds and what goes into it but um yeah I guess you know just just go with it you'll love it but the, the reason that you've got um crap on in the background noise at the moment in the background that's because Pearl's in here 
Um, it's Wednesday afternoon. I've got Pearl today and uh, we've got minions on in the background. Minions, you know minions, right? The little yellow guys, you see them on... You see them around sometimes outside Sainsbury's uh, or like the co-op minions. You know the little yellow guys. They 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 love old. They love bad people. They love villains. You know that's how they they get. That's I don't know. That's how they live. They get their kicks or something. And there they are right now. I'm looking at them. God, I'm so tired. Anyway, look. Enjoy this conversation because I know you will. It's a cracker. Um, if you want to support the podcast, which would mean a great fucking deal to me, okay, it really would. It, it's about time. It's about it's about time some of you pulled out your fingers and left a review on iTunes because it really does help me. I can't tell you what what it actually does for my like psyche because right now I am really low, like really low. I am so broken as a human being. I'm so freaking tired. I'm, the move is the move we're moving to this norfolk and it is taking forever and it's breaking us um the uh the it, just everything right which isn't too bad it's not too bad really to be honest don't leave a review don't worry about it i'm just joking um but yeah if you want to check out short film sundays are diamonds .co.uk do the short film the name is on there you will love it i made it wrote it uh, put the, did the soundtrack for it whatever go and check it out it's on that website somedaysadiamonds.co.uk look after yourselves rock on stay safe and I'll see you on Sunday for quite a cool guest anyway bye My life is just a series of like peaks, major peaks and troughs where just like I have some situation, it's going well, then it sort of drops. And then when it hits rock bottom, I do something insane and something to try and re-inspire myself and re, you know, like India was a post-breakup thing. Uh, moving to New York was a yeah. post-breakup thing. Uh, moving to Italy was a post-breakup thing. And every time that sort of stuff happens to me, it's like, I just feel this desire to go and do something insane. Yeah, yeah, I know, mate. I know exactly what you mean. I had that with um, with going to Thailand with saw it with uh, ad adopting Rosie. Yeah, I was like, um, yeah, it needed to happen. It was after a breakup, and I was just like, I need to shake, shake, shake something up. Exactly in my life, right. You, know? you just have to go do something, uh, and when you're free as well, you sort of, or when you come out of a relationship, you feel this, you have this feeling of a newfound freedom where you're like, I can do anything. Yeah, and then so and you I, go I, do I, anything. I, yeah, exactly. Like, it's just a shame because I never really did that. I'd I go for Thailand. I just spent lots of time convalescing and feeling about sorry me, poor me. And I should have I should have been fucking interrailing around Europe, or getting in a car and going around Europe. Like I yeah. didn't do any of those things. But you, you, you kind of just didn't. You just went to New York and did shit. <laughs> I just honestly, mate. Like I think, you know, I think that. I got, I mean, I grew up in the north of England, mate, north of a small town in the north of England. So any opportunity that presents itself, that's awesome. Generally in my life, I've just taken it because 
you know, I, I feel so disconnected from where I actually came from at this point. And, mm. you know, opportunity presents itself. You have to go, you have to go, you have to go for it. You know, I just but want... yeah, you grew up in, you grew up in Scotchland, right? Well, I was born in Scottish land, uh, yeah. in Aberdeen. Um, but which is in the way, way, way northeast corner of Scotland. But I actually grew up, uh, half of my, half of my youth was spent in, uh, Hesham in Lancashire. And then okay. the second half was in Leyland in Lancashire. So I'm a Lancashire boy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Typical working class, Northern English upbringing, really. Yeah. And like, what brought you down South? Music. You know, I, uh, I started playing music when I was, 18 years old in in my hometown started doing open mic nights and stuff uh and then i met my buddy pat who was in a who uh was in a band in leyland and i was playing in a band in leyland and he was going down to brighton to do uh, I know pat. oh yeah you know pat right <laughs> yeah, he was going down to uh, brighton little pat yeah he was going down to brighton to do a uh, bim that college you know that music college and we were in a yeah, band yeah. that started to do well before he left. We were in a band that was starting to do well. We were getting some record label interest and we won the battle of bands in the mountain town. And we, uh, he moved. So I was like, fuck it. I just got him back from backpacking around Europe. So I had this new lease for life, this new travel. Oh my God, the world is so big. What am I doing in my hometown? So, uh, right. I, uh, after I graduated, after I graduated university, I, I went backpacking and then got back and me and Pat moved to Brighton together. And that's where I met Tristan. Tristan was my roommate actually. Yeah, what for Bim? Uh, yeah, he was at Bim as well. I was the only one in the whole house. Yeah. There was six of us in the house. I was the only one that wasn't at Bim. I was, I was a little bit older, and I was I had a job like a fucking idiot. A lot, well, like a normal human being that also probably wasn't I had a normal a human being of, job. Yeah, stupid like fucking money as well for Bim, right? So you kind of dodged a bullet there. I, I feel like that college was just a big joke. <laughs> it's just a bunch of <laughs> bunch of. Uh... Did you go to Bim as well? Dude, I didn't, but I, I, I went to the ACM in Guildford, uh, which is basically the equivalent. And um, I, it made me feel so sick. I quit after about four months. Right. Yeah. It just seems like it's, 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 it's kind of like, uh, please, uh, it just feels like, I, mean, I hope that this doesn't go the wrong way, but it's, it just feels like a bunch of failed musicians who are trying to charge kids to like, to teach them how to be rock stars, but they don't really, I don't know. It's, it just always, it felt like a bit of a ripoff to me, to be honest. Yeah. Well, you can't, you can't teach that shit. I'm really sorry, but you can't, you can, you can yeah, maybe you can't. teach people to write a, a song, construct a song. You can't do that either. You, I, I, get, I get hired to go to songwriting camps all the time where I teach people to write. All I can really do is tell them, follow, follow your gut instincts. I mean, yeah, all, all I can really do when I'm when I am asked to teach people how to write is I, I really teach them how not to write things not to do because yeah. you can't you can't teach how to write a great chorus. All you can really do is say, well, don't have eight million lyrics in the chorus. Don't don't take four minutes to get to the chorus. Um, don't put weird jazz chords in the chorus. You know, like that's all you can really do is tell people <laughs> is tell people what not to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I don't it's think like- you can teach people to do it. Well, don't bore us. Get to the chorus, right? Top exactly. 50, right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, I just think it's good. it has to come from a cool place, and I think, you know, I don't want to jump ahead too too quickly, um, too soon. So I do want to try and like take a lineal approach to it, 
but uh, to the conversation. But I do think some of the best songs I've written in 15 minutes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Best songs yeah. that I've written were written in 15 minutes. Anything else? Yeah. Didn't, didn't work out, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Um, so, like, so you, you had BIM, you had BIM and that whole, that whole shindig, and you're living in like a flat uh, with like a bunch of BIM students, and you're the only one that's not. Where, like, what was your? We you write. You were obviously you were writing songs then. Yeah, I was writing songs when... for mine and, mine and Pat's band. Um, hmm. But then, and then I just started to not enjoy that, so I decided to sort of quit the band and become a solo artist. Um, yeah, and and that pissed Pat off. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then I moved to then I moved to London because I was like, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do anything in Brighton. Uh, and actually, in that process, I think I was still living in Brighton when this happened. But I was working in a bar in Brighton, uh, singing my own. I was uh, let me go. Let me back up. I was working in a bar in Brighton and this uh they had live music it was like a it was called the port portland rock bar do you remember that place dude very well yeah yeah no shit so i worked there as a bartender and um oh right there you go and what and one night an american band came through um which you know it's always cool when you're young and like an american band comes through you just feel like wow this is crazy so anyway they came came through and uh, i ended up opening opening up the show uh the show it was a pub um but I opened up and played a few songs and at the end this guitar player came up to me and told me how much he liked my music and told me that he yeah. lived in Brooklyn, New York and had a studio there. And, uh, did I want to come to Brooklyn and record with him? Uh, yeah. And I was like, uh, are you fucking kidding me? Uh, this has been my biggest dream of all time. Yes. He said, you can stay yeah. in my house. I record you for free. All you have to do is get your flight ticket. All you have to do is fly to New York and I'll pick you up and, We'll, we'll make we'll make an EP. So I was, you, you know, made I quite an impression on this guy. I didn't have any fucking money. I had no. I mean, I was so mm. broke. I ended up doing a fundraiser at the pub because um, everybody knew me. I was the I was the kid who sang songs, and all the all the patrons, you know, were so sort of knew knew that I was eager to get out and be a rock star or whatever. So yeah, uh, yeah. so they all sort of pulled together money, and I I think I used the rest of my savings or whatever, and I bought a flight to New York. Ended up going there. A couple months later, recording these songs with this guy and just having my life cha- trans, you know, change because nothing, nothing major happened, but just like going to New York was a, a very pivotal moment in my life because I realized that that's where I wanted to be. Mm. So yeah. I think I went back one more time to record, uh, and then I moved there. Just uh, God. after after maybe living in London for a couple of years, I just was like, I don't want to be in London. I want to be in New York. That's, moving to London was actually me training myself out to live in a big city so I could ultimately live in New York. Yeah. So I mean, it's I, a big uh, step, isn't it? 2009, I think I just left. It didn't feel like it, honestly. Mm. I think I knew that I wanted it so bad that it didn't feel like a, a big step. I had a job working in London at the Apple store. I'm, I'm like bouncing all over the place. It's hard to, hard to keep track. Um, but I remember one night I just quit. I just quit. I just decided I was going to quit my job. And uh, so I booked a I booked a flight ticket to New York one night when I was drunk in my house in London, and uh, <laughs> went to work the next day. Quit my job and sold all my shit on on Gumtree, and then within two months or a month, I was living in New York. <laughs> wow. Okay. Like that is very that's a drive. Very spontaneous, but 
But something's driving you there. What's driving you to? I mean, other than like, of, un, other than the obvious success that you want and the the dream that you want to pursue and the thing that's holding you together within you, that's pushing you to do these things. What what is? Because that's I know you said like you know you got used to living in London and what have you, and, and New York seemed like the next step, and that's what we wanted to do. But it's a different thing to sell everything and and literally just pull the anchor up and go. Like that's quite a that's pretty intimidating. I think when you when you're not really happy with where you are, it's a lot easier to do something like that. And also, I was mm. you know I was 25. I, I, yeah. I had no commitment. I had no commitments. All I all I had was ambition. Um. So it just just seemed like an. It wasn't even that hard to do. I look back on it now. I would never do that now at this age. Fuck that. It's yeah. terrifying. <laughs> But I think I think then it just it didn't seem yeah. like a hard it didn't seem like a hard thing to do it just I just did it yeah and I look back it's and funny, it, it seems it? crazy crazy that I did that yeah it, it does but that's oh man like I love but it, it, uh, it's one of my favorite films of all time is um, it's a wonderful life which obviously isn't going to surprise anyone listening to this podcast but. Um, there's a line in it that's, you know, hackneyed and well used, but it goes, um, you know, youth is wasted on the wrong people. It's so true, though, because, man, do something when you're young, for fuck's sake. Seriously. Fuck up and make mistakes, but just do something, for God's sake. Yeah. I mean, mate, there was no no regrets. As soon as I got to New York, I mean, I had to go back home after three months anyway because I ran out, you know, my tourist visa ran out and I had to go home, but... Yeah. You know, within two months, I was able to get an actual like three-year visa and go back. But um, no regrets, man. Like, I, it was hard. You know, I, there were times when I ran out of money. There was times when I was totally broke in New York City as an immigrant. That was not a good situation to be in. But I was in New York yeah. City, man. I'd all I had to do was get on the subway and walk around Manhattan. And I felt I, I, all the worries just went away. For sure. What, what was it like performing then to like a New York audience? Fucking awesome. you wanted to do. It was awesome. Yeah. I got really lucky, man, because when I arrived in New York, I knew a couple of people that I'd met on a previous trip. And I just fell into like a really good scene in New York. Uh, this venue called Brockwood Music Hall is it, like a sort of, it, at that time, it was like a hub for singer-songwriters. And there was a lot of successful singer-songwriters would play there. And I met a lot of people very quickly when I got there. And I just fell into a good scene. And before I knew it, there was lines around the block for my shows. And it was I was playing with all these world class musicians, and it, it happened so quickly. What do you um, owe that to? What What do you put that down to? Like people just grasping onto it. I mean, obviously, I know, the man. music. I mean, maybe the music. I look back on the music; it wasn't even that good at the time. I think, I think, <laughs> I think I'm a good. I'm a nice guy. I think people liked me, you know, and I think that um, I had a lot of ambition, and I was pretty pretty good at what I did. And so, you know, we were all just we were all just hanging out. It was just really fun, and I think being British actually really helped. Not gonna lie. I think it is. It does help. What's that? Is it Love Actually? That film where the guy from yeah, um, he my family, whatever it's called. He wants to go to like Missouri or where Wisconsin or something like that. Yeah, and the first bar he goes into, he hooks up with like three girls. Is so fucking funny. That, but it is honestly, true, that's man. exactly what happened to me. I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, I got to New York. I was single. I was freshly single, and I got there, and I had this accent, and it was it was really fun, man. It was. Yeah. I'd never really been single. I'd always been in relationships. So for me, I'd I'd become single and I'd moved to the best city in the entire fucking world with an accent. And yeah, I had some fun. Dude, totally. And then I, I mean, fell I, in love I, and, I, you know, it all, all went away. 
Is he, and you what? You fell in love? No, no, I fell in love and, you know, I was in relationships and I've yeah. just been in relationships ever since, basically. Yeah. Do you feel like you're someone that needs to be in a relationship? Uh, there, there's... um. Yeah, a little bit. Oh, what is it? Yeah, there's some there's some film that I've got in my head, but it's right at the back of my head. But like, there's you know, you always feel like you need to be in relationships, like validation or something, or just the, the feeling of being set and uh, the the it's almost like a codependency thing. You know, I've I've definitely had that my entire yeah. my entire life. I have too, and I've worked at it as well. You know, I had I've had time single, and when I am single, I do enjoy I do enjoy who I am. I do enjoy the freedom, but I, I am very lonely. Like I'm, I'm definitely like a, a penguin in that sense. Like I need, I need my partner. Uh, even if it's not yeah. the right one, I've, I've managed to be in relationships that aren't right for me, aren't good for me for a long time. And I have to, I have to be careful, you know, cause I do get in that mindset of like, I gotta, I gotta be with somebody. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's yeah, hard to be yeah. alone. I don't like, I don't like being alone. Yeah, no, I, 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 I completely, empathize sympathize with you because i i've had i've made some terrible fucking mistakes in my life i i have um i was in a relationship for five only five months but it was so destructive i i basically was at my 30th birthday and i fell in love with this woman this girl she came up to me kissed me on the dance floor i'd never been kissed on a dance floor out of nowhere by a girl before she was from my home village my little village i thought well that's it i've met i've met the woman of my dreams yeah i met my wife Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's completely insane. I just, I, I just spent my next five months just basically tearing my soul in two because we weren't right for one another, trying to convince myself that we were. And it, it gave me a nervous, not a nervous breakdown, but certainly a breakdown. And I was just like uh, fucking torn apart. And, and I, I don't think I learned my lesson because I think about a year later I did the same thing again. You know, it's so bad. Yeah. But it's, Only, uh, that's, sorry. that's all right, mate. But it's just it's just that's that's the way it is. I think that's it. But it kind of reflects in your in your music, though. You know, you're incredibly hard on your sleeve with your music. I mean, I try. You know, I think uh, I think it's the only real way to be with. Me. As I get older, it's it's weird. I start to I've started to protect myself a bit more. I've started putting myself out there a little less, and especially after getting married and um, being on my relationship was on Instagram. I was so part of our relationship was us being this public thing on instagram and once we broke up it was really weird to have to sort of backpedal and um and i think it made me a little bit more gun shy about putting my personal life on the internet and nowadays i'm not really even on the internet because it's just such a toxic place to be but uh in terms of songs it's just uh i don't know as as i've gotten older it's i'm able to sort of branch out a little bit and stop just writing about how deeply personal everything feels yeah, I mean, I mean, you have to. Yeah, you can't. You can't. I'm writing songs for other people. I can't. I can't just bear, bear my soul into, you know, every single song. Yeah, I mean, it's again something I really want to pick up on later, but I'm, but it is it is it is because I remember the um, I've I used to listen to um, the album with the um, is it the Lost Boy on it? Um, yeah, I don't believe you. Which was I don't believe you, right? So I used to listen to that when I was gardening because Tristan was like, this is my mate, Greg, here's his CD. You know, what do you think? And I was like, um, cool. I burnt it onto my computer, then burnt it onto the, uh, whatever it fucking was back in those days. Jesus. I'm, I, VHS. Um, <laughs> v- <laughs> and I was like, 
oh okay it's not it's not just Tristan going oh this is a a mate do me a favour listen to his music even though it's crap this is like fucking good I mean I was was, I was like oh okay Jesus Um, he's he's a real deal this is really cool Tristan knows someone who can actually write a fucking (laughs) song like he's you know um so when did well, how did that album come together was that one was that the one that was crowdfunded yeah that was crowdfunded so essentially what happened was um my ex-girlfriend was making an album with this guy called tony berg who was a yeah. big fucking deal in, in the, the music industry and music scene and i went to sing on her album with her and this was like 2010 i was just about i was just getting ready to make my own album but i didn't know how i was going to do it so anyway really vibed with this guy i really liked him i really loved what he did so I asked him, like, would you make an album with me? And he said yes, because I showed him some songs. And he told me how much it would be. And I was like, well, shit. Um, but at the time, everybody was starting to do Kickstarter. Sorry, I just turned this off the llama. Everyone was starting to do um, Kickstarter. It was quite yeah. fresh at the time. So anyway, I, I did one too. And I raised, like, I think 30 grand. Um, 30 grand. I had, a, so oh I, had a, I had a little bit of a following. I had a little bit of a following. Uh, online so and I hadn't made an album I hadn't made a real album yet but I had this following that I'd developed on YouTube so anyway I made a video and I was like this guys is what I'm trying to do and this is who I'm trying to make the album with and anyway yeah I raised like 30 grand in a month um, which really was quite surprising but that wasn't even enough to make the album so I had to still find more money uh, but it, well, I'm just telling the longest story no, so anyway in fine. 2010 in 2010, I went to make this album with Tony Berg. But what was crazy was, is the musicians that I ended up having on the album were like world class. I mean, Matt Chamberlain is the drummer on that album, and he's one of the best drummers in the world. He just got an off tour with Kanye West, you know, and like, yeah, um, solid, just yeah. insane musicians. A guitar player called Blake Mills, who at the time wasn't hugely known, but now is, you know, a, a fucking legend in the music industry. Best guitar player yeah, I've yeah. ever seen in my entire life. Oh my god! So I was just spoiled rotten, man. Right, right off the bat, just had the best musicians in the world just on my record, which was amazing. Um, the problem was that, is that Tony is so profound, so prolific in what he does. But he makes these really contemporary, weird albums, and at the end of it, I was really proud of it, and all my musician friends loved it, but nobody else did. It wasn't really, it wasn't really <laughs> destined for commercial success. Um, okay. But it was a great, great uh, first album for me to like, you know, come out and be like, this is who I am. Everybody pay attention. Yeah, uh, and I was really proud great. of it. Even now I go back and listen to it occasionally and I'm, I am like, you know, quietly still proud of it. I don't believe you. That's a great fucking album. Yeah. That What are you talking about? No one fucking like that. That's a great fucking how that's i'm not blo- i do this to i'm not blowing smoke up your ass i always blow smoke up everyone's asses don't worry but like there's a fucking great album like okay. i i don't see that as a like that's an entry you can enter that album on any mood like you don't it doesn't it's 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 cool like i love it it's and it's a companion album as well it's very personal it's like you know like i said when i used to listen to it i was listening to it um whilst gardening and so you know, pretty bad headspace, like suffering from a lot of anxiety. Yeah, and uh, it was a good companion. Like I felt, I felt you. I felt the characters you spoke about. I spoke, you know, I felt the landscape you were painting. You know. Yeah, and that, you know, it was me trying to make my Bob Dylan, Tom Waits album, and I, 
I actually made, I wrote most of the album just on the corner of a bar in the West Village in Manhattan. I really just, uh, I had this vision that when I moved to New York that I wanted to be Bob Dylan, you know, and even though New York looked very different, the landscape was very different, like the music industry was very different. I still had this romantic idea of being a musician in New York. So I would, every night I would take my notepad, I would go into Manhattan, I would sit at a bar and I would just write poetry. I would write, you know, lyrics and just drink by myself. And it was fucking romantic as shit. You know, it was, it was, uh, it was great. It was great. I would meet girls at the bar. I would meet friends at the bar. I would, I would just, I would just, I was having the time of my life, man. I was miserable, but I was having the time of my life. And, uh, so I wrote most of that album like that. Yeah, it was, it was, I was like happy being miserable. It was romantic. Yeah. But you got to wallow in that shit. If you're going to write good stuff, you got to learn how to wade in the bad stuff. Right. It's funny, you know, I was happy being miserable, but now I'm like, you, the life progresses. And then I, now I'm like miserable being happy. Oh, you are like, I'm not like, I'm, I have this wonderful life here in Los Angeles and that, you know, I've got money in my bank account and got great friends around me and, um yeah. you know i'm in love and i have dogs and 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 everything's great but i'm fucking miserable most of the time it's just so weird man i don't get it and you, you do, do you have to speak to someone about that like a therapist or i maybe? went to a therapist during um my marriage um yeah and then i went to italy. i went to uh i forgot if we even talked about this I did. We talked about Italy. Italy, yeah. Yeah. And I went, I went to Italy and my notebook was my therapist for a long time. And I was able to sort of work through a lot of stuff by myself. I've learned to, I'm trying to get better at like self-reflection and interest, introspection, I think. Is that, is that the word? Is that the one? I'm not sure. Yeah. 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 Just um, trying to get better at figuring my own shit out. Therapists are not cheap in Los Angeles. (laughs) I was going to say they're not cheap. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, it was very helpful. I, though. I will it, say that seeing a therapist saved my life. Okay. It got that bad, huh? Uh, by the end of my marriage, yeah, I was, I was in a really, really, really dark place. Um, yeah. And therapy you changed, saved, saved me. Do you think you changed yourself so much to, to, to keep the, the marriage alive that you kind of lost a bit of you? Is, yeah, is that 100. I, I, I didn't lose a bit of me. I think I lost most of me. God. Um, that, and that, that wasn't her fault. That was, I mean, that's very much my, I mean, you know, we weren't compatible at all and I'm not entirely sure what we were thinking. And it would, none of yeah. it was her, none of it was really, uh, none of my internal shit was her fault, you know? So yeah. I was just, uh, I'm very much, I'm, I was such a people pleaser in my nature that I, I became someone else to, uh, suit my partner. And, uh, yeah. After that, after that marriage ended, that was definitely the final straw for me. I was like, I'm never fucking doing this again. I'm for never sure. yeah. losing myself in a relationship ever again. Because it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't help them and it doesn't help you. It's a fucking mess. It is. What is it though? Because I, I've got the luxury of almost putting that completely and utterly behind me now because I, I used to enter relationships and totally do that. I used to change, deliberately change myself to please who I was with, like be it. Uh, even the get-go you'd have like the first few dates where you're you're the best of you yeah and you know they're not trying to change you and you're not trying to change too much but then as you realize a commitment could be on the table could be on the cards you you're then like well how 
what do I need to do to change me? Cause I'm not quite good enough to make right. this go the distance or something. It's, it's an, in, I think it's an insecurity kicks in and you think that, yeah, you think that you're not worthy of this person that already likes you. You already did the work. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, you start feeling like, uh, like you're not good enough and that you need to sort of mold yourself to them. Really. It's, it is weird that people do that. What's your yeah. star sign out of interest? Uh, 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 Virgo. Okay. Yeah. John Virgo. But um, I think it's just funny because um, in my experience, the the other person isn't even asking you to change, but you are changed. Correct. Trying. Yeah. It's, it's so bizarre. Like I would be asking her what food should I cook tonight to a point where like I couldn't cook what I wanted until I knew exactly what she wanted. I couldn't just fucking I know do... exactly what you mean yeah it's so creepy and weird and you cringe when you you know you're doing it and you and oh man yeah <laughs> I mean you're like what do you want to watch on TV and then you watch exactly what they want to watch yeah yeah it's even done that in even though they haven't actually. said even though they haven't said I want to watch what I want to watch you 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 make sure that you're watching what they want to watch because you're you have this weird fear that they're going to not have a good time if you if you pick your own thing. For sure, yeah, definitely. Like, I, I, yeah, I think we probably share quite a lot in common there, my friend. Like, I, I, I do think it, and it's, it's, um, it's, it's beatable though. That's the good thing about all of this shit. It's, it's not insurmountable. Like, it's sorry, totally. Sorry, mate, I lost you. No, I was just saying it's totally insurmountable. You. It's, it's, um. It's it's something that you know you can. Are you still there? Oh, he's gone. Whoa, baby. Bo bo bo. You got me. I've got you back, but no, I was just saying that all those things are beatable. They're surmountable, and and it's not out of it's it's not out of the realms of your of, of possibility that um, you turn the corner, but. Um, I don't know. It's it's a it's a fucked up thing. I mean, I know plenty of people that are going through this exact same thing. It's, in, it's in very common. It's very common, man. It's very common. Yeah. And finally, uh, you know, realize that there's no there's no point in doing that. You, you you have an option at the beginning of a relationship to build a foundation on you being who you are, and I, if you don't do that, it's your own fucking fault. You know, you can't go around <laughs> blaming the person that you're with for not letting you be yourself. You fucking did it. And, uh, that's what I realized when I, you know, when I left, when we broke up, you know, again, we weren't compatible. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if anyone was necessarily to blame. It was just, uh, I wasn't true to myself. It's the, it's, that is, there's a harsh truth though, isn't it, man? Like that's the thing about the truth. It's so, it's hard, it's hard to take. The yeah. real truth is really hard to take. Yeah. It is, man. It's just like you fundamentally you went in, you go, we both will go into relationships. People will go into relationships with a, this, this thing that's ready to go and it's called insecurity and it's called self doubt and it's called self loathing and it's ready to fucking go. Yeah. And then it goes. Just waiting to ruin your life. <laughs> <laughs> but um, let's talk about something that hasn't fucked us up. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
when when did shit really like because i know you, you've spoken we've spoken a bit about you know your first album and working with some amazing musicians but when did it first go like um your you found your your step on the ladder so to speak when when like your um i suppose in a, i suppose in a way when success came when when was that um i think it first came in like 2011 i i, I don't believe you had already come out it didn't really go very well um in terms of you know success that I was expecting, no no labels were really that interested. It was just a sort of a flop. Yeah. So I was feeling I was feeling pretty discouraged. Um, but then at the, I think it was the very very end of 2011. I wrote two songs that um, in the same week that changed my life at two different periods in my life. But I wrote two songs. One of them was called The Lost Boy that I wrote about Dave Vega's book called What Is the What? True story about a Sudanese refugee. I wrote this song. I've got I've told the story so many times. Sorry if I sound like a broken record. Um, Dude, uh, just, so I, just get I, through it. Plow through it, man. <laughs> I, I, uh, so I wrote this song. Well, I, I read this book, first of all, and I was devastated. It's a horrible story. Um, and I was laying in bed the night that I finished the book and I had this melody sort of humming around my head. I'm not joking. This is not like some sort of like mystical story that I'm trying to bullshit no, no, my way no, no, through. No, it I really can't. happened like this. And I've heard other songwriters talk about it. So it's nice to hear that other people have experienced this, but this song was trying to get in my head. This uh, the lyric and the, the line and the, the melody, it was all just bashing me while I was trying to sleep. So I got my phone out and I wrote the lyrics down uh, that were coming through. And it's like almost like a divine, like something was coming yeah. from the universe. And uh, I, yeah, sang the me- I sang the melody into my voice note on my phone. And the next day I recorded it in my studio, just a quick uh, acoustic demo, me singing and playing guitar. And I sent it to this, uh, I really liked it. So I sent it to this DJ that I knew in Holland who I just met on, on, on the internet. He was like a sort of, uh, John, is it John Peel? Is that what his name was? The guy, the, the DJ Peel. in the UK. What, John, it? The it wasn't Peel. him, but he was like the no, guy who like found music. He's the guy who like found musicians, right? And like really like helped them. Oh, anyway. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like the light. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. Sorry. I found like the Dutch version of that basically. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah. The Dutch version of him. And so I sent him this song because I knew he worked for the Red Cross. And so, the, you know, the, I wrote the song about Sudan and he was working with the Red Cross. Cross so I was like, fuck it. I wonder if he'll like it. That's all I really thought mm-hmm. is I wonder if he'll like it. I'd only spoken to him once in the past. So I emailed him, him this song and he wrote me back like 10 minutes later, freaking out. And he was, and he was like, Greg, this song is amazing. Um, Long story short, but every year we have this campaign in Holland, this charity campaign that we do at Christmas, and we pick a new, we pick an original song by an unknown artist every year. Every year, and it becomes like the charity song for the for the campaign. We'd love to use this song; it's perfect for our cause. I was like, "What the fuck?" But I didn't know, I didn't know anything. I didn't know how big the radio station was. I didn't know how big the radio station was that he worked for. I didn't know how big this campaign was. It could have been anything. Yeah. Turns out it's like fucking children in need. Like it's like the children in need of Holland. It's, it was, it's every single person in Holland watches this thing. Um, Shit. So anyway, within, within a week of me sending him this song, it was number one in Holland. It was a number one song. Um, and I had oh to fly God. to Holland and I had to fly to Holland. Uh, I'd never performed the song live. I mean, it was a week old. I had, I had to fly to Holland and play the song in front of in front of ten thousand people on Christmas Eve, 
Um, oh my god! And it was live, live to like eleven million people in Holland on television. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> "What the fuck is happening?" And I had, so I had a Christmas. I had a Christmas number one. Um, oh man! And a Christmas number one, and then, so I booked. I, I managed to quickly find an agent in Holland, a booking agent. We booked a tour for the spring, and it sold out immediately. And so that was like the first. That was like the first thing that happened to me where I was like, "Oh shit, this could happen." Um, Big time. Unfortunately, at the time, I didn't really have the right crew around me. I didn't have the right people. I didn't have a record label. My manager didn't really know what to do in this situation. So it all sort of happened and then what fizzled out. Where it should have yeah. been a moment where it should have been my my stepping stone to national six, you know, international success, but it wasn't. So it, uh -huh. it sort of petered out. Um. But it was fun. I had, you know, I had a couple of good tours off it, and it was it was a really fun experience, very much a learning experience. But then, about a year later, the second song that I wrote that week, um, I got a phone call at the end of my my second European tour. The tour had sold out again, and I'd made no money, zero zero money. I was I, I owed money to everybody, and I was sitting in a. I remember sitting in a radio station. Um, about to go on the air in Holland at my wits end. Like, how can you, t how can people do this? How can people survive? I just done this big tour sold out and I'm broke. I'm, I cannot continue to do this. I'm going to go back to New York when I get home and I'm going to, I'm going to have to quit. I don't know how I'm going to do this. As I'm thinking this, I get a phone call from my manager and he's like, Hey Greg, um, you know, the song home that you wrote uh, a few months ago, whatever it was I said, yes. He said, well, we just got a weird phone call and Jimmy Iovine and American Idol want to use it in the finale of American Idol next week. Fuck a duck. Yeah. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't, he, he's like, I don't know. He's like, I don't understand it, Greg. I don't get it. But can you please give me permission <laughs> to use the song? And I was, you know, I was like, I hate American Idol, but I was like, fuck it. You know, what's the worst? Thing yeah. What's the fucking worst that could happen? And I was, and then I went, I, I, I like went home. Then I went back to the hotel room that night and I was like, what does that mean? Like they're going <laughs> to use it in the final of American Idol. I don't even understand what that means. Anyway, the next day I flew home. <laughs> the next day I flew home and about three days later after I got home, it, they played it. Like he, the guy who was in the final of American Idol played it as his like, you know, competition song yeah, yeah. against, against yeah. someone else. On American national television, and I watched it happen. And Fuck. it was my—they were using my guitar track. They were using all my vocals, apart from the lead vocal. They were using all my backing vocals. They've used everything that I did. Bonkers. And I was—I was sitting in my on my couch in Brooklyn, watching this, thinking, "What the fuck is happening? I don't, <laughs> I don't, I can't process this." Yeah, um, for sure. And, yeah, and then he wins American Idol with that song, and Jennifer Lopez and Steve fucking what's his face from Aerosmith they're all freaking out for, over the for, sun uh, yeah 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 uh, Tyler yeah Steven Tyler. Tyler they're all just freaking uh, out over the sun and I'm just sitting in my living room like what the fuck is going on and then <laughs> and then and then the song went to number one in America <laughs> I had an I had an American number one and uh, and I was just sitting in my living room with a beer in my hand by myself <laughs> broke <laughs> broke Totally broke. Yeah. yeah. And and then about about a month later, no, I don't remember that wasn't a month, maybe it was a few months later. They used it. The song sort of went to number one and then fell off and nobody cared. And I was like, Oh, that was yeah. a fun that was a fun ride. 
Um, but then they used the song in the Olympics, the uh, whatever Olympics it was, the Sochi Olympics or something. I don't fucking know. Uh, yeah, yeah. For the American, for the American women's national uh, gymnastics team, it was like their theme song, and they were they were winning all these gold medals. Yeah. And the song sort of became their anthem, and that just gave it a second win, and and it blasted to number one again. And I remember sitting in my house again, just watching this all happen. <laughs> <laughs> Except it then went to number one, and then it stayed there. On the it, it stayed there for a while. Yeah, and I remember, th- and I remember thinking then, like, this is going to change my life. And um, and I, I also remember going to watch. But, sorry, I'm bouncing around, but around that yeah, same yeah, time fine. period, I, around that same time period, I went to watch Philip Phillips. That was the guy's name who recorded the song. He was opening yeah. for John Mayer on tour, and they played an arena near my house in Brooklyn. So I went to, to the Brooklyn, uh, what is it called? Barclays Center, which is a br- huge arena, basketball arena in, in Brooklyn. Yeah. And I watched Philip Phillips playing his show. And, you know, he was playing his set and, you know, people were just sort of like chatting and nobody really cared all that much. And then at the end of his set, he played my song. And the whole arena stood up and started singing this song. Oh my God. And I remember sitting in this arena being like, oh, God. <laughs> And no, it was the weirdest feeling in the world, man. It was the weirdest feeling in the world. And now, you know, still like broke, still dream. broke, still, still totally broke, still, still broke. broke. But then How I remember, come, well, because it Surely... takes a while for the money to come in. Oh, it, okay. t- it takes yeah. a while. So the money came in and it was yeah. awesome. Um, yeah. Because I've been broke my whole fucking life. And all of a sudden I, I just was handed a check that completely transformed my life. Um, yeah. And now my life. Seven pounds fifty. Yeah, exactly. Two hundred and twenty pounds. Um, Whoa! No, it was a it was a check that made me cry my eyes out. Um, oh I, my god! And I pay, I paid I paid all my debts off. I paid everything off, and and um, my life changed. And then uh, and then I decided that I didn't want to make music anymore, and I went to India. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like I get that because of the fucking stress and the breadline situation you've been on like just fucking surviving on fuck all and then it's exhausting it's a goddamn exhausting process and also having an experience like that it um it's such a rush of blood to the head like it you don't really understand it it happens so fast and then and then everything's different and all of a sudden everyone's eyes are on you and and you're like oh fuck I don't want everyone's eyes on me. And you start freaking out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I keep saying you, uh, the proverbial you, but it's me. It's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, I didn't have the right team around me at the time. So I, I really struggled. I got, I got, I, got, I kind of got thrown into this world of writing songs for other people. And I wasn't ready for that yet. I was yeah. still trying to be an artist. Um, so it all sort of, I just sort of got burned out. I didn't really want to do that anymore. So I, yeah. you know, I took, yeah. took a break. I took a break. God, this is a long story, isn't it? Yeah, I took a break. No, it's great. It's a very unique story, though, Greg. I must say, like most, you know, the bands I speak to will have brilliant stories, certainly. But like, they, I've never spoken to a solo artist that has had that story by a long chalk because success, certainly, but not being in a fucking stadium of like thousands of people singing a song of, and you are in the crowd and people are around you singing a song and they don't know it's by you it must be like a freaking did it, to you did that feel like a little kind of secret to yourself look at all these people 
they don't know that I'm yeah it was very strange I'm... my my buddy who I was with was yelling this guy wrote the song <laughs> uh, and I was like dude shut up man stop, shut, stop. <laughs> my northern English kicked in I didn't want any attention I didn't want to create a fuss yeah um, fuck off fuck off leave me alone <laughs> you bastard um but yeah, it was a that... that was a trip and then even that same month it was like a period of a couple of months where all this crazy shit was happening and I ended up uh I ended up uh meeting the guy that I wrote The Lost Boy about. Whoa. Yeah, so I ended up being in touch with Dave Eggers, the write, writer of the book, the author of the book, and he invited me to a dinner um with the guy who I wrote the fucking Lost Boy about. So I ended up sitting with him and talking to him, which was the most insane full circle moment. Wow. And then after that yeah. I ended up getting a record deal with Warner Brothers, making yeah. an album with them. Uh, which went well-ish, you know, as well as a single songwriter <laughs> can do nowadays. Uh, that was in 2015, yeah. and I, I made a record. With, I made a record independently, actually, with Greg Wells. Um, uh-huh. And then I sold the record to Warner Brothers. Um, yeah. Which was a cool experience, but a, a weird one. Major labels are a bit of a yeah. shit show. Yeah. And then... Uh, yeah. Is that Chase the Sun? Yeah. I made Chase the Sun, yeah. Yeah. I made that independently yeah. after after my trip to India. I made I wrote all the songs for that, recorded that. Yeah, spent all my money on that fucking on that record, uh, but then sold it to Warner Brothers and got my money back, which I was very relieved about. Yes, but then uh, <laughs> then I, I ended up being awarded for the home song that I wrote. I got an ASCAP award for this song right around the time that I got my record deal. What does so this was the craziest period. This is the craziest craziest period of my life. Um, what do you say? What does ASCAP stand for? ASCAP is, I actually don't even know what it stands for, but it's like PRS. It's okay. like the collection agency. Okay. You know? um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But at that time, yeah, I got awarded. I got. I went to an award ceremony. I was invited to an award ceremony, which is cool in Los Angeles. Um, but then I was invited to sing at the award ceremony, to open the award ceremony. So, so the, best, the biggest songwriters in the whole fucking planet. We're all in this room together. Oh, God. Um, oh, my God. But... <laughs> The best part about the story is in the front row, st- sitting, looking at me was Tom Petty, sitting in the fucking oh, front row. Fuck. Fuck. He's like my, and he's my idol. So I'm standing, singing the song, looking straight in the eyes of Tom Petty. Um, oh, God. And then, <laughs> so, so Tom Petty was best friends with the guy that signed me to Warner Brothers. So he, there was a connection there. And after, the, after I'd performed, I was going back to my table, and the guy who signed me to Warner Brothers, pulls me over to the table and introduces me to Tom Petty. Oh, mother. So Tom Petty puts his, puts his hand out, puts his hand out and shakes my hand. And he looks me in the eye and he goes, it's a beautiful song, man. Great performance. And I <laughs> shit my pants. I absolutely shit my pants because I was validated for my idol. And I went back to my table and I drank a bottle of wine very quickly. Oh my God. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Coolest, I mean, like- hands down the coolest, coolest moment of my life coolest moment of yeah. life yeah i am like a yeah. huge i'm a fucking nut when it comes to petty like the uh, petty yeah, me, album me too, man. yeah it's it's it's, it's never a... it's like so go on no i was just gonna say he's just that he's one of my idols and to be validated validated from my idol was one of the coolest experiences of my life one of the most meaningful experiences of my life too yeah i can't it is. It must be because, like, I don't want to gloss over that because, like, 
cinematically, it's quite something to be sat on a I don't know, performing in front of thousands of people, like you said, so many of them to be, you know, to be admired and, and, and I don't know about worship, but certainly and and then have I don't know, just that singular moment. It's like you're being invited into the club just for a single single moment where they're like, you're one of us kind of thing. That's yeah. something else. Like It was crazy, man. It was really nuts. Yeah. I, th- I so think that was, a, that was one of the nights that was one of the nights where I, I definitely felt like, okay, maybe I do belong in this, you know, in this business. Like maybe I, maybe I am good enough to be here. And you know, there's been, I can't tell you my whole fucking life story. We'll be here for like hours and hours, but like there's just been so many moments like that. And then there's been real lows and then there's been the high again, there's been lows again. And like, you know, following, following the signing of my record deal, the album went fine and then I got dropped and then I made my own album independently. I made a, uh, world war me in my own studio at home. Yeah. Released that independently. And then that flopped. And now, uh, and now I'm writing songs primarily for other, for other artists. Who, Who are you writing for at the moment? Uh, well, I'm just, it's more, you write songs and they, you, you, they get pitched, you know, and I'm doing certain yeah. writing camps for, for, for big, big artists, but I'm not really supposed to say who they are, but, um, yeah. nothing is guaranteed. You know, you just, you just, you just write and then you hope for the best. It's, it's, but I have been doing a lot of work with my buddy, Sean lately, Sean Van Vliet, who's got a project called, um, uh, blame my youth, okay, uh, yeah. which is really great. He's like rock and roll Andrew, Andrew WK rock and roll kind of style and we uh we okay, recently had a song and it was the end credits of the new bill and ted movie oh really brilliant man i'll have to listen out to them to yeah That's yeah which great. was oh. which was fucking awesome we had like a, we had like a bill and ted celebration night where we dressed up and like watched the movie and <laughs> it was rad but he's man, got some great shit happening we actually have a, a he's releasing a single tomorrow um that we wrote it was the first song that he and i ever wrote together called dance with my demons and he's releasing that tomorrow so that's, that's exciting cool. sorry i, fa- I fast forwarded so... really fast i like went for, i went from 2015 yeah. to like 2020 insanely fast yep that's fine man that's fine there's there's no pressure to be accurate historically accurate but um no it's, yeah. it's cool when did boy when did boys in the street happen that's like some fucking tune that is Thanks, man. That was uh, around the same time. I, I wrote that song. Okay. I think right before I made, right before I made "Chase the Sun," right the day before I was actually flying to go start recording "Chase the Sun," I wrote that song. Kind of came out of nowhere, but ended up being the reason why I got my record deal. I Validated by Tom Hanks. Turn, turns out, I know what the fuck. What what? I love I love how like yeah. you know, re- I'm, I'm I'm reading up about you, um, and I'm like Tom hang on what tom hanks is like loving loving my mate greg what's going on here this is this is this is cool yeah so that, the, it's the, funny the, like context to this. these with you because i i, I sort of forget about this shit i forget and like uh, and then i'm reliving it with you i'm like wow this is kind of crazy <laughs> it is it's mental man and and balancing it all with like the ups and downs of emotions of life as well because of these great things that happen and then and then it's back to being you at the core it's it's different it's difficult it's hard it's not it's certainly not easy so it's like you can have success and meet tom petty or people can have success and meet whoever the fuck and bruce springsteen had that bloody hell bruce springsteen like his autobiography is insane like he had a near fatal breakdown yeah. when he was just like have you read his autobiography 
Yeah, it's, it's awesome. So it's so good, but like when he goes to that small town and and he sees all those people hanging out like at a fair or something, and there's something within him that he just and something breaks with him because he knows how like he wants that, but he he's so far removed from that he can't get it. And it's like that happens yeah. to so many so many people on all levels. You have to be have to be careful how I think people have to be careful about how they view people with success and how they view I people. Agree success within music or tv and stuff and, and film it's it's not as lovely well as you, you can sort of things. like you can sort of t turn these turn famous people into these god-like creatures but like when you actually meet someone really famous you're like oh it's just another human being i mean that sounds like a cliche sure. but it really is they have the same insecurities and the same fears and the same worries and you know the the, the, the thing that i struggle with is like i've had so many moments in my life that are just insane where mm. you know I meet, I'm meeting idols or I'm singing with, I sang a song with Ben Folds once and that was kind of crazy, but, um, wow, okay, yeah. I, it was like, I have, you have these moments, right. Where it's like, it's high, it's so fucking high and you, you can't believe you're there. Um, mm. cause I'm definitely not a famous person, but I've had moments where I'm like thrown in the world with famous people. And then I get you. And then you, and then, and then you go home and then a few months pass and nothing's really happened. And there's not a lot of action going on. And you start to get really sad and you start thinking like, when's the next high? Like when, when is someone going to recognize me again? Or when is someone going to, when am I going to have another moment where people care about me? And it's very pathetic probably really, but you, it is kind of hard. Like I've, I disappeared off the map two or three years ago. Like I did, or maybe, you know, two years ago intentionally. I didn't really, I, I just sort of walked away from a lot of it. And, and now I look back at these moments, I'm talking about them to you with you for the first time in ages mm. and it's like damn i feel kind of sad now <laughs> like these these moments were so huge in my life and now and now mm. i feel like they're over you know you definitely have this moment where you're like oh it's all over now for me shit but i think you should definitely you should definitely take a, a lesson from what you've what you've experienced and it's never over it's never over because you you do strike me as someone who's in the game man like who's always this it, it does seem like you're someone that something is coming around the corner like it, it you're willing to ex explore um and and accept that you in life you do need to you do need to break some fucking eggs you know to get yeah to make that but i i just I, you are a positive guy i just think like it's it's really weird like I, I talking to you like this because um i think the last time we had a heart to heart was so fucking long ago it was um actually at guildford festival it was fucking oh yeah ago, man and we had such a good heart to heart i think i can't remember who you were going out with at the time but we we we, we all seemed to like get along so well and um i think we got very philosophical very 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 quickly and we, I think we all. Yeah, I, I always, I always felt connected to you, man. I really did. I mean, I know we yeah. didn't speak for like eight years or something, but I remember always liking you and thinking like I'd like to talk to Will more. But you were always, you were. I always sort of met you in passing. Uh, you know, it was I'm always mad, like a, you were playing a gig fuck. with Tristan or something. We were just like passing through, and it was like never really got a chance to get to know each other any better. Yeah, I'm a mad fuck. I was mental in my twenties. I was constantly chasing the booze. God, man, alive. But it, no, it's it's cool that you're um, and just it's it's cool that you are still pursuing your your natural skill. But what we were talking about earlier was um, boys in the street, which is it's it's a fucking incredible song. But like, 
it's also bold it really bold to put it into context about um well you you can tell you, you know you you tell the the lovely listener what that song's about well the song uh i wrote that song from the perspective of a uh, a gay child whose father won't accept him it was a very specific thing i was actually asked by my friends who run this uh this uh, LGBTQ uh, organization to write a song for for a compilation record they were doing. And the brief, yeah, the brief was to write the gayest song ever, um, <laughs> and people were writing like these jokey songs and like these sort of like you know these out there songs that were really fun. And I don't do that, so I was like, well, let me dig a little deeper here and see what I can come up with. Um, and actually, speaking of songs, speaking of, speaking of songs that. Are like written in 15 minutes i wrote that song in about 15 minutes it was very strange it just sort of came out of me God. but it's yeah this the, the song is a progression of the father slowly but surely accepting his son uh until yeah. the very end when his dad is on his deathbed and finally accepts him honestly man i i think wow. i know that's the best song i'll ever write in my entire life i don't know where it came from it was another one of those like the universe handed me that song i don't really even remember writing it and when I listen to it, sometimes I'm like, how the fuck did I write that song? I do. I really do. I, sure. I don't really. It's one of those songs where it, it's, it was higher than me. I don't know where it came from. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever I, write a song like that ever again. Well, you, I hope so. Yeah, but, but I mean, you, I think you probably will. I'm just guessing that you will because I, I, I know both you and I share the Tom Petty um, obsession. And I, I know that he's, I, I don't I. I'm pretty sure that he wrote I Won't Back Down in a car, like literally driving to a studio or something, yeah. driving to a prep band, band practice. And he wrote Wildflowers just like in real time. Like he just played Wildflowers that just came out of his body, right? Right. And I believe that that happens. And I, and, I th- and I don't think that that just turns off. I don't think that switch turns off. I think it's about trying to access it, but not too hard. I mean, I, I agree. Okay. I'm a song. I, I write songs as well. Like I'm, I, I haven't been able to do it seriously for a, for a while, but I've just got back into it now. Over the past, like since lockdown, really doing the podcast and getting back into songwriting. But I do, I do feel like you can't push it too hard, though, right? You can't go, come on, then universe. No. The fuck is my next hit? You got to just let come it. Come on. You got to just let it happen. I mean, honestly, I haven't written a song that I'm super proud of in a couple of years, man. I mean, I've, and I've written like mm. fifth, probably fifty. 50 plus song way more than, i've probably written 100 songs in the last two years um yeah. and they're all fine you know none of them none of them are shit but none of them are really that good either <laughs> i mean that's the way i feel uh i'm just i'm right. sort of just i'm still exercising that muscle but i haven't written anything that's like deeply affected me in a while and also i'm not writing solo stuff at the moment and that's probably why i'm writing for other people and it's hard to sort of access that real inner darkness, inner emotion when you when you know you're just sort of writing with somebody else for somebody else. There's sort of a disconnect that happens, at least for me anyway. Um, maybe when I start trying to write li- solo stuff again. But who do you listen to when you're like? I mean, I I, I personally don't listen to. I've, I'm obsessed with Tom Petty. I do listen to him a lot, but especially with uh, all the rest out at the moment, the new Wildflower stuff. But yeah, I never. I don't know how it works for you. I don't, I, I don't listen to other artists for inspiration. I'll listen to them maybe for like a how they put a middle eight in somewhere and what have you. But with yeah. with you, what music are you listen to at the moment that's like catching your ear and turning you on? Honestly, man, I listen to like weird South American, like weird 
world music just just um i don't really listen to pop music which i probably should if i'm trying to be a pop songwriter i should probably pay more attention to what's going on but I, i'm not inspired by that really i, I go listen to so like would, world music would you not put like uh, uh, like sort of accented uh world music kind of sounds into a song maybe like i don't know that's that like kind of, um, kind of never, i've never vibe. really done that no i, I should probably i mean i Here's the honest truth, man, is that I'm not feeling creatively inspired. So I'm, 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 I'm mm -hmm. sort of chugging, chugging along, doing my job, which is, you know, trying to chase the next, you know, cut, as they say. Yeah. But I'm trying to, I'm trying to tap into my creative side again, and I'm not really finding that in music. I'm, I'm actually finding that more in like baking bread and riding my motorcycle. You know, I don't really, I haven't really, I haven't really felt super inspired with music for a minute. Um, are you a hopefully, are you a sourdough guy? Yeah. I'm actually in the middle of making sourdough roll, rolls right now. It's almost, it's almost, I actually have to go in like 10 minutes because I have to, uh, have to go, finish these. There's a essential phase that's about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you I have your own, getting um... into... sorry, go on. Say that again. No, I was just saying, do you have your own like little, um, I forgot what they're called to make the, 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 the bread start on my brother. The starter, the starter. Do you do you? Yeah. How do you make your I own do. starter and go from there? Whoa, the real deal. Yeah, I've made, I've made my, I've made my own starter. Uh, it's a year old at this point, actually, and it's actually its birthday in a couple of days. Get the fuck out! That's awesome, man. That yeah, is, that is. So I've been keep, I've been keeping it alive for a year. Yeah, I feed it every day like a fucking pet. Um. <laughs> so my bread's pretty good at the moment. Not gonna lie. Oh, but uh good. i'm just finding more joy in that and i've been going on motorcycle camping trips i actually broke my arm six yeah. weeks ago i fell off a motorbike um in the desert oh man so my arm's healing now but it was a uh, i sprayed my wrist and broke my arm about yeah about i guess probably eight week eight weeks ago now oh my god so i haven't been able to i haven't been able to ride i haven't been able to ride it's fine i was on a dirt bike so i crashed in the sands so it wasn't so bad um yeah but it was a. Uh, it sucked because I haven't been able to play guitar. I haven't been able to go camping. I haven't been able to ride my motorbike. I haven't been able to do anything. Yeah. And how's lockdown affected you, man? Is it, um, is it just been a kind of a, as you were for you or was it just, was it quite brutal? It's, I mean, I been kind of, it's, I'm not going to lie. It's not been, it's not been the most amazing time in my life. Cause this time last year I was like traveling around Europe and I was in Italy and I was living the, the most inspired time of my life and yeah. it was it's been kind of weird to look back this year and just be like well i'm home <laughs> can't do anything uh can't yeah. can't go yeah. anywhere and this time this time last year i was having the best time of my life and here i am now fucking doing nothing um yeah. it's been yeah. weird man it's been weird it's, um it's kind my, of cool uh, to know that everyone's in the same boat i guess yeah it's sad that everyone's in the same boat. You know, I don't want everyone to be in the same boat. Yeah. Nobody, nobody should have to deal with this crap. Anyone who's lost anyone, especially. I mean, I'm, I feel lucky. I'm healthy. I'm, I'm being good. I'm, you know, I can pay my bills. I consider myself one of the lucky ones right now. Yeah, you, you, you going, you going to have a, a nice afternoon um, and what have you, man. But so good to touch base with you. You too, mate. You too. And uh, yeah. we can, if, you, if there's anything missing from the interview, we can just a uh, few days and just like finish anything off that you want to ask but i really appreciate you talking man it's nice to talk to you yeah likewise look after yourself and have a great afternoon greg Eat.
everybody. Sorry for the quick exit.